Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and importantly some of your very own personal stories. I want to thank you for being part of Mike's Open Journal as guests, as visitors, as speakers, as listeners. Welcome to the world of mental health. And remember, you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And she was like, can you tell me a bit about what's going on? So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast and to episode 131. I hope you're having a good week. I believe it's half term for many of you, for some of you. Um, I hope you're able to get a little bit of a rest or some family time in or whatever half term means to you. Maybe half term doesn't mean anything to you, in which case I hope you enjoy a bit of time at work where there are potentially less people around this week. Um, Whatever your week is, I hope it's a good one. Thank you again for downloading and being part of the podcast. This week is very slightly different. Uh, We're still having conversations, but the, I guess, the topic is slightly different this week. So, uh, over the weekend, or just before the weekend, the Happy Hour podcast, uh, run by Jack, Alex and Stevie, um, brought up and discussed mental health and mental health advocates. Um, with their guest Lawrence from the True Geordie podcast and there were some really interesting topics in their discussion. Uh, I've seen the kind of the nine minute video um, that they put onto YouTube so they have kind of each topic uh, they promote on their YouTube channel Um, so it was interesting to watch. There were a few things I really agreed with, a couple that I really didn't but I really liked that um kind of the role i guess of a a mental health advocate um i don't know even advocate sounds a bit of a weird name um but those people that talk about mental health online was being discussed uh and i wanted to kind of sit down and have my own discussion kind of based on that um and i was really fortunate in having uh lorna come back onto the podcast to chat about what our opinion was on the topics that was raised in the happy hour podcast but also our view on the way that the happy hour podcast put that across as well so 
really interesting topic, something slightly different, um, and nice to sit down and have another chat with Lorna uh, as well. So I hope you like this episode. Like I say, it is something slightly different, so let me know if you think it's amazing or if you just think it's good, because you won't be thinking it's bad, hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is slightly different, so I hope you like it. Um yeah, let me know. So, as always, you can find all of the details for the podcast at mikesopenjournal.com, along with all of the social media links and things like that. So, you can um, give me your feedback. I'd love to know if this is something that you're interested in and hearing people come on and kind of discuss those general topics, which we've done before, but haven't done for a little while now. Um, and it's awesome to get into. It's a slightly different um, conversation to have as well. And I love having guests come back onto the podcast after they've shared their story and their experience um so it was ace to have lorna back as well if you're interested in coming onto the podcast in the future for an episode like this where we're talking about something a little bit more generic i guess i don't know um or more of a discussion piece or in sharing your own story i'd love to have you on in the future so please do get in contact um over on twitter or wherever twitter is usually the best place um all of the links will be in the description and at the end of the episode as well thank you so much for downloading and here is uh this week's episode i hope you enjoy it we're gonna sit down and have a discussion today which is completely kind of unplanned and um i say that but i've actually made notes so this could be a bit of a a bit of a different uh, type of episode, but I am delighted to be joined by Lorna again. So say hi, Lorna. Hello. Hello. Um, so today we're going to sit down and have a little bit of a chat about, um, well, kind of highlights or clips from another podcast um, that I, I've i seen um, quite a few clips now um, from the Happy Hour podcast. Uh, and they touch on a few different topics. And the one that was particularly interesting for me was the one recently where they spoke about, um, I wouldn't say it was talking about mental health. It was more mental health advocates and those people that talk about yeah. mental health online. Um, but it was something that I kind of picked up on and thought, oh, it's a really interesting um, topic that they've started to, to touch on there. Um, but I don't know what your first reaction was when... Um, when you watched the video, um, actually earlier today when I sent it to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. Let's, yeah, I hadn't seen it, um, and I've never heard of it before. Um, I, I think initially I was like, oh, you can't just completely dismiss all mental health advocates. And then I think, you know, we've had a brief chat already. I think mm. similar to yourself, I was like, oh, actually, there's some interesting points in and amongst that short yeah. clip. Oh, it is, and like. We've said it's uh, the video that's on YouTube is about a eight minute video, and I think that's from an hour ish um, podcast. So it's a short snippet, but it's it's um, fairly unedited. So it is eight minutes in a row. So it is a discussion point that they've yeah. had. Um, but the, yeah, there were a couple of bits that I I really liked, and some bits I weren't too keen on. And now, <laughs> again, in the way that I've actually made notes for, not the first time, but I've not often made notes. Um, so they're not really in any real order. Um, but one of the first things that I thought was quite interesting was that the conversation seemed to come at quite a negative angle um, about people that talk online about mental health, both in general, but also their own. Um, yeah. And the kind of 
uh, I guess using your mental health illness or your experience as clickbait or like a sales pitch or promoting mm. yourself in some way. Um, and I think it's really difficult because you don't want to see that. But I think there are some individuals that potentially do use it in that way. Um, however, yeah. I think most people don't. Um, and it's like a few of these points. I think it really depends on what kind of community you're around and you're surrounding yourself with as to how you will view some of the points I think that we'll probably cover. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. What what were your thoughts about that kind of that initial, um, I don't know, in my head I'm calling it a negative view, um, but yeah. yeah, what did you think of that? I think I think the thing I found interesting was they were obviously focusing on YouTube. Mm. I don't use YouTube for that in any way. My kind of, if you want to call it mental health advocacy stuff, is all Twitter and a tiny bit of Instagram, but I don't really get that. And I think <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. Yeah. Uh, it's like me and Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I in my head, Instagram and YouTube are primarily kind of younger audiences and younger people perhaps and certainly mm. you know the influencers and things that are on youtube they all seem really young to me so i didn't know whether that had swayed their experience of kind of mental health advocacy online because i'm very involved in twitter and it mm. to me feels very different and i don't really feel like many people on twitter are particularly interested in promoting themselves so much but i don't know it's, it is an interesting one because I think there are, um, I suppose it's not, I don't know if I see it as a particular um, like channel or platform thing. Mm. I guess I, um, would I, um, I don't know if I would attribute it more to younger people. I don't think I would. I think it's just, no, no. Um, it's, uh, I guess in general, the growth of, the influencer or advocate type role um, and I'm trying not to use influencer here because I think that's a different conversation um, yeah. but yeah. I think it's the growth of that individual um, as a brand that means that there is kind yeah. of that um, there are those people that maybe use their story in a less than positive way or try and um, sell themselves in that way um and again i think this is where it really depends on who your community is because Mm. when i think of the people that i see talking about mental health they're not people that hold themselves up as experts and they're not people that um would kind of tie that in with a sales pitch as such it's all very much about um sometimes it's about general mental health awareness or awareness of particular illnesses Um, but I think more and more so we're kind of accepting that there is a level of awareness and starting to Mm. work on kind of giving people permission to have conversations Um, yeah and I think that's where I see um, the the people that I kind of surround myself with moving in that way so I do wonder whether it's a case of are are they maybe basing some of their um, views on these people on 
le a, a lower number of people, but people that mainly have maybe a bigger following and maybe there's a different type of person mm. that, that's operating in that role. Yeah, definitely. Because I think similar to you, my experience is very much that I can't think of a single kind of mental health account that I would mm. consider any of those people a brand in and of themselves. So mm. the fact that they seem to have had that experience or certainly it appears that's how they perceive these people yeah. is very different to what I've experienced. And yeah, I don't know where that comes from. I have mm. um, I have seen people previously talk about the, um, like I've had this experience and I can help you type of view that they sort of mention. And I have seen that before. God, I'd be terrified. Um, I'd be terrified. But I, <laughs> I think, can't help myself. No, I think it's really... Um, again, it's that side of how much are you, I don't know, what sort of role are you allowing that person to play? Like, if they're a friend or a peer, then they've got a role that they can say, oh, this works for me. Um, like, you could try it, and you're like, okay, yeah. I can try it. It doesn't work for me, and that's fine. But if they're putting themselves in some yeah. sort of, I don't know, role of, oh, authority is wrong, because that's more workplace, but, um, like, knowledge <laughs> or... Uh, expert I think I'm not sure mm. uh, yeah I don't know because I think I don't know from my point of view all of the um, like the skills or the tools that I feel like I've developed have always been from um, someone providing like counselling or therapy or support mm. to me um, I haven't been taught how to deliver those things I've just received mm. them and I think there's quite a big difference Oh, yeah. In that way. Um, and it's kind of recognising that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was an assistant psychologist in a psychiatric hospital for mm. a year. And I still don't feel like... I, I feel very <laughs> differently about... <laughs> I still don't feel like I know anything. Um, <laughs> but I feel very differently about the advice I would give to my patients kind of under very close supervision and stuff mm. like that compared to someone sent me a message on Twitter the other day asking what therapy had helped me mm. and I felt very uneasy about even saying because that's my experience and yeah I think like it was odd to me that the I mean obviously there are people out there who do but I certainly don't ever go out there and say my experience is the same as anybody else's even if I've got the same labels as those people mm. and I think I always feel very uneasy about saying anything to do with oh will this help me therefore it's going to help you because that's never the case <laughs> probably yeah and like you say just every experience is going to be personal whether you've got the same illness mm -hmm. or the same symptoms or whatever um that's not going to be the same no um one of the things you mentioned um there and i think they mentioned it as well was that idea of um having people contact you and ask for Mm. either like advice or support or um whatever and I think there's like there's an initial real positive side to that like mm. engagement acceptance being able to talk and have a conversation um yeah. but there's there's two things that I really worry about those times um mm -hmm. and that is kind of that the role of the person, like remembering it that you're peer to peer, you're not the expert. Although mm. maybe in certain situations you might be, but in the situations mm. we're talking about, you wouldn't be. Um, but also the 
the pressure that you or the other person is is putting on yourself to constantly be on call um yeah for i say one person but if you do it once the likelihood is you're probably going to be in that situation again yeah um i don't know kind of have you had that experience and what do you think about um having those conversations i think i'm very similar to you i think it always feels really heartwarming that people feel they can Mm. come to you and ask for support and those messages always make me feel initially very kind of oh that's really sweet that they feel they can share this with me and they feel like I'm somebody that's going to kind of get it and Mm. that's really lovely but then it just fills me with absolute terror because like I said I can't even look after my own mental health half the time Um, (laughs) let alone somebody else's and I think I always feel very like, oh, my God, what if I say the wrong thing or what if I suggest the wrong thing? Or hmm. And it is hard to just be like, look, I'm really sorry. I, I tend to have kind of a, an awful and I apologize to anyone I've ever sent it to. But it's because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answers. I'm really sorry. So I kind of just say, like, I'm really sorry to hear you're going through a hard time right now. Hmm. Um, and then I'm just kind of like, I don't really know where to go with this because it is I very much kind of especially when I was working as a psychologist's assistant I was on all day at work kind of being there for everyone else and then being there for my friends and I just didn't have the headspace to be there for anybody else Mm. and it's really hard because all I want to do is help anybody that I think anyone with mental illness kind of has a lot of empathy towards other people and their their struggles and particularly those who do go out and campaign they want to make a change but you can't be everything to everybody mm. all the time and I think like you say it is almost like being on call sometimes and you're just like oh my god and I've had people send me very very personal stories and I've just been like I don't even know what to do with this I can't even like like by the time you've got to the bottom of the message you're like I can't remember how this started but yeah. <laughs> just, and I really really feel for that person and all I want to do is like reach through the phone and give them a hug but at the same time it's putting those boundaries in place to protect yourself mm. And that's bloody hard. <laughs> it is, because like you say, especially for those of us that are, I guess, proactive in the mental health world, is we go out and we encourage people to have conversations and we say, yeah. look, you, you can talk to us and, and we're here to listen and we're happy to listen and please have conversations and da-da-da-da. And I think um, there is that sort of balance to it, saying, yeah, um, I want to hear your story, I want to... Um, help you explore that but there's a level as to what I can Mm. do I can sit and I can listen and I can hear your story and I can give you that type of support but in terms of advice or reflection or professional support Mm. I'm not going to be able to offer that and I think it's being really open at the beginning and um, not taking on too much and hopefully the, the fact that someone has contacted you in the first place means that they know probably you are affected or you're passionate about this for a particular Mm. reason um Mm. and so there is going to be a limit as to what support you can offer and I think it's being upfront about that straight away and like you say saying oh I'm really sorry to hear that or whatever or kind of engaging in a in a type of conversation Mm. um but I think there is a limit and I think the I've had conversations not within the last year I don't think really um probably prior to that where I I was getting involved in a longer conversation Mm. um and I think now it's it's a case of going actually now I'm I'm happy to hear that if you want to send me whatever like you and you Mm. just need to say it 
that's completely yeah. fine. Um, but know that I'm not. I'm probably not going to reply to you straight away. Um, yeah. And if you're feeling like that, like I would always go, you you should think about going to see the GP or the Samaritans. And yeah. sometimes I do get to the point where I think, like you sort of, <laughs> I feel like I sound like a dick because you're like you're constantly telling them actually you should go and see and think about talking mm. to these people um and it does feel like you're you're re-saying something sometimes but I yeah. think it's really important because you're saying look I am happy for you to say this to me but there's a level um of support that I can offer and actually it's to be completely honest pretty minimal um yeah. <laughs> I, I can be there yep. for the start um but that's as far as kind of I can be there for you um mm. and I think it's again encouraging people yeah do you know what I'm more than happy to hear that story it's not going to make a judgment um but also know that part of me hearing your story is being able to signpost you to certain places and I think yeah it's maybe I don't know remembering that as well like it's not a bad thing to tell someone um or signpost someone to another resource no no I really like that guy's story because I think it shows how far it can go Mm. and I think you know that the guy in the podcast I can't remember his name who felt really burdened by that person saying that they were considering ending their own life and yeah. that then when he didn't reply for a little bit things got a bit heated yeah I think that is a really because like I said anyone with any mental illness and particularly people who are active like we've said they care so much and anyone who shares their story with me I feel it really badly mm. I'm really overly empathetic towards anyone and like I've had times with my previous patients where I've come home and had and cried over their stories and things like that and it's just about protecting yourself from that because if I really invested in each one of these conversations I'd never stop crying <laughs> and yeah. I'd never stop feeling responsible I think and I wouldn't be able to do the things I want to do because of that you'd be constantly thinking about it though I think that's the thing isn't yeah it? and like you say it's remembering that for for most people I think that so proactive for for not necessarily just mental health actually probably for a range of different causes yeah. actually that comes from the fact that that person is most often in my opinion directly affected whether it's them or someone yeah. that's really close to them um yeah. and so they're kind of not there just as a sounding board like they are going to be affected by what you say and there has to be mm. a, a, an acknowledgement of that um mm. and I think there would come a level to actually at the moment you might say yeah I'm happy to hear you I'm happy to have you talk to me but if you were inundated by people that would probably have to quickly change because you go Mm -hmm. actually do you know what I I can't now offer that support because that like couple of messages a week has turned into a couple of messages a day and that's too much for me Mm. in a um yeah in a role that's going to be on top of your work and your own experience with um symptoms or illnesses and I think mm-hmm. th- there's got to be a level remember that you're not full-time as a professional mm-hmm. in in this field yeah it's a hard balance oh <sighs> yeah mm-hmm. yes <laughs> um there were uh there was something else in there around kind of the the like giving people I don't think uh, maybe this is a note I've made actually I think rather than what they said um but the idea of kind of educating people and I think in the vi- yeah so in the video they say 
um, that there are people who are trying to educate people um, when actually everyone knows. Mm. And um, it's kind of something I agree with and disagree with, if that's possible. Um, no. And uh, so it kind of comes from there's a chap that I work with and we kind of often reflect on the Heads Together campaign with mm. um, the princes and yeah. uh, he kind of always talks about it in an awareness raising way. Yeah. Uh, and I've always said, I don't really think that campaign in particular made more people aware of mental health or mental health illnesses my view is very much it gave people permission to talk about something they were already mm. aware of. Um, and while I I very much think that, I don't think there was a sudden like, oh, mental health exists or illnesses exist. Mm. Or, um, yeah. I'm also quite wary that, it's again, it's a field that I spend time in and it's um, the people that are affected and um, are involved in that field are people I talk to. And I do wonder, have I become a little bit dis- disillusioned in that actually the people that um, I don't talk to maybe don't know as much about mental health, maybe don't know mm-hmm. that it's a thing. And actually for some of those people, maybe there is still a lot of awareness raising that needs to be done. Um, mm-hmm. Because I kind of see a lot of the stuff we do now is conversation starting, essentially permission giving, rather than mm-hmm. that awareness and that education. Um, but I know that you do loads of stuff with Time to Change, and I think there's a slightly different focus, and you're quite proactive more in communities. Um, mm. And I wonder, do you think, is there still a lot of people that just aren't aware mental health is a thing, um, that they're not aware of different illnesses? Because um, I think that is that is possibly the case. It's just something I'm not aware of. I think people... Mm. I think people are aware. I think the thing that really got me in that part of the video was when they said, they kind of said, oh, when we're talking about mental illness, we're talking about depression and anxiety. Mm. And that really stood out to me as, well, actually, no, that's a very small part of mental illness. And to me, I think that's where awareness has absolutely boomed and is fantastic. Mm. Still not perfect, but it's fantastic. But as soon as you start talking about anything else, that's when it becomes quite obvious that people don't know so I openly have borderline personality disorder mm. most of the time I tell someone that and they're like what's that <laughs> I'm just like oh okay here we go again yeah um, and we did an event in Birmingham New Street Station one of the big stations in the country for time to talk day and we had a lot of people come over and be like oh I know someone with depression and anxiety or I suffer with depression and anxiety or whatever and they kind of know a little bit about things like eating disorders and perhaps a few too many negative connotations with schizophrenia mm. But beyond that, it's very like, I don't know what that is. Like, no, never heard of it. Or I think that's where, and I went back to my old university recently and did a speaking event there. And they said that their kind of campaign for the coming year is that they don't want to talk so much about depression and anxiety. Because not that it's not important anymore, because it is. And obviously, Mm. they're probably the two most common mental illnesses that people suffer from. But that actually it means that people with anything more complicated don't really have anywhere to turn I think that was what they were finding in services is that certainly at my university they were fantastic at dealing with depression and anxiety but if you went to them with an eating disorder or you were hearing voices or you thought you might have a personality disorder they were a bit like uh we don't know what to do now sorry um and I think that's something that I've seen a lot of is that those two disorders are getting more and more and more understood and that's fantastic 
but anything wider than that is still a real battleground. I really like um, the phrasing that you used around the um, the different illnesses as well, because again, that's another conversation I've had with people about. Um, particularly, it's usually around anxiety and depression, but I think mm-hmm. um, kind of OCD and eating disorders are starting to slip in there, where they're yeah. seen as kind of um, lesser illnesses. Yeah. Um, and I've seen slides, uh, and presentations before, um, and reports. So it's obviously a terminology that is used by some mental health charities. Mm. Um, and they will call, um, illnesses like schizophrenia more severe. Mm. Um, and again, having spoken to people that have had, uh, other illnesses, or mm. equally those that have um, been affected by um, anxiety and depression, and go, okay, mm. do I consider those illnesses less severe? Well, no, I don't. Um, mm. I have known people that have struggled with those illnesses and taken their own lives, and I don't, yeah. I can't see then how some other illness could be considered more severe. Mm. Is it more complex? Is it... Uh, less common yeah I think that's true and that's why it's really interesting to hear you use those phrases because I do think um personality disorders um the range of different illnesses that kind of would fit into what I would consider actually know that it's more complex there's less that we know Mm. about it it's less common there's probably less Mm. research around it um but to say that it's more severe I I it is a personal opinion I don't like that um, no, no. because like I said I've seen the outcome that can come from those quote-unquote lesser illnesses um, mm. and I think you're right I think actually um, have we got to a stage where there is awareness around particular illnesses and mm. actually making sure that people are aware it, mental health isn't just that um, mm. and I've even heard other phrases start to pop up more recently about around um like mental fitness, uh, mm. mental strength, and mental uh, something else. Yeah. Um, and I think, okay, cool, because you're prompting the conversation. But for me, it all comes from we well, don't really understand what mental health is because you're still seeing mm. mental health as illnesses only. Mm. Um, and that's where I think some of the other phrases are kind of coming from. Mm. Um, which I would. No, go go for it. <laughs> I watched um a separate clip from that pod, the same podcast, okay. and um they made quite a distasteful joke um about they said something along the lines of and I'm paraphrasing. Please don't shout at me if I get it wrong. <laughs> Anyone on Twitter? Um, they said something along the lines of every white person ever has had anxiety, and they kind of laughed and they were like, "Oh, I can't deal with my own shit," and mm. then they all carried on laughing. And I'm kind of I think there's such a problem with the fact that depression and anxiety are used as both kind of descriptive terms and as terms for a disorder so yes everyone has experienced anxiety but not everyone has experienced an anxiety disorder Mm. and I think they're very different things and I think that's where actually things like you know terms like schizophrenia are actually perhaps a little bit more helpful because it distinguishes it from a normal experience it becomes an illness of its own right whereas depression and anxiety don't have that and Mm. therefore perhaps sometimes like you say 
don't get the respect as as severe as they possibly can be. Yeah, it's so difficult, and it's those because I would say, particularly for me, um, those less complex illnesses, Mm. um, I feel like I know a bit more of. So I know I know more about depression, anxiety. I'd say more Mm. about OCD and uh, some of the eating disorders as well. So. Um, I would say with with my knowledge of those that I'm quite happy to say that we all sit on like a spectrum mm. um, like autistic or dyslexic and mm. some of us will experience those things those symptoms to a higher or lesser degree yep. um, and some people get to a certain level where they would then be kind of diagnosed with that illness but mm. I don't know enough about um borderline personality disorder or schizophrenia or a range of other different illnesses mm-hmm. um, to say the same thing happens. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it probably does, but I don't know enough about it to say that. And I think there will be certain symptoms that people experience that allow them, I think, then I don't know that they're making that judgment of oh, this sits on a spectrum and I experience it a little bit, so I can say this is a mm. symptom of depression. I think it's being used kind of colloquially, if that's the right mm. word, um, in the same way that like OCD is now used as quite a flippant phrase. Mm. Um, because I would say, like, I, when I walk downstairs in the morning, I'll, um, however you normally walk downstairs, I don't know, you, I'll <laughs> walk down the stairs and out of habit I will jump the bottom step but I can't have touched every step apart from the bottom one, so I'll kick my foot back to touch the bottom step. So to me, that would be a symptom of OCD. Hmm. However, the reason why I think it's a symptom and not a sign that I have that illness is because like, now I don't know if I did that this morning and I don't feel the hmm. need to suddenly stop and have to go and do it. Yeah. Um, so it's not impacting on my life in that way. Um, hmm. And I would imagine, but this is me imagining and not knowing, that those more complex illnesses are the same, that there will be symptoms that roll into that that Mm. I experience, but I experience them to such a low level, they're not impacting on my life and I'm not affected in that way. Um, Mm. But that's me assuming that. I don't know that. And I just, I I wonder how, yeah, how quickly people are just adopting the language without really researching what Mm. it means, what it is actually are they affected or could someone else be affected or how is that affecting the different people in the conversation when you just say oh yeah that was such a depressed thing to do or Mm. oh yeah I've been struggling with depression today and like how are you Mm. I guess it's all it's all tonal isn't it I suppose Mm. yeah I really agree on that model that it with those it's very much a spectrum but I think Mm. it does start to get dangerous for you know, when people do use that word depressed, and I've been in that situation where mm. I didn't want to be, when I was first diagnosed with depression, I didn't want to be known as the depressed girl. Mm. So I didn't really talk about it. And I heard conversations like that, and they felt really disheartening to hear. And it stopped me kind of when I was going through a difficult time going out to my boss and telling her because I didn't want her to be like, oh, come on, everyone's been depressed now and again, calm down. And those things are really dangerous because they do stop people getting help for things and I think that's where I don't know language is hard (laughs) (laughs) hard. life is bloody hard 
Mm. Oh, um, right. I think. Ah, uh, okay. So I've got um, one other bit on there, mm-hmm. which was again in the being on both sides of the fence here. Um, there was a bit towards the end of that episode. Episode that clip. Mm-hmm. Where they mention that um, the, uh, young men, so they're talking about a particular group, um, kind of not knowing what to do or their identity or their image, um, which I thought actually, like initially, um, that's a really positive thing to recognise, actually the pressure that mm. um, young males might be having and how that can tie into, um, at the moment, uh, the suicide rate for obviously young males being really high. Okay, there's a conversation to have there. And then they sort of tailed off with like, oh, they need to take more responsibility about what's going on and how they deal with that. And I was like, oh, now you've, yeah. got, you've gone the other side of that. And again, I don't know, um, everyone's going to have their own views and their, their own conversations. But I was like, oh, I feel like you actually have a little bit of knowledge here. I don't quite understand mm-hmm. how you've gone all the way in that direction like if you'd have gone there in the first place I would have got it I'd have just mm. gone okay you're maybe not aware of certain things or something has framed your decision making um mm. fine but it was almost like there was that bit of knowledge there and they've still gone in that way which I couldn't quite understand yeah. um because I think um again it's I'm not particularly keen on stats but we know from statistics actually there's a lot of um young male suicides but we also know that there are a lot of young female um cases of self-harm so actually Mm. kind of injuring or damaging ourselves is something that's becoming increasingly um prevalent amongst males and females Mm. so i think there's probably a more generic conversation that we could start to have maybe it can be tailored in different ways for different audiences but actually there's a real kind of recognizable trend happening um and i think some people are maybe getting a bit too caught up in whether we should be talking to men or women and actually go no probably generally as a population as a society or community there is a a common theme of pressure or image Mm. stress um a lack of education and knowledge about kind of self-regulation um and self-expression um that is happening and that's something that maybe needs more attention we need to be looking at that earlier stuff at the conversation starting um, and hopefully that prevents um, some of those more severe cases from happening Mm. I think it baffles me to this day that some of the stuff you get taught at school and that you're not taught about those things as well yeah it doesn't have to be anything spectacular but just a little bit of here's how to cope when your mind starts to go a bit haywire um i don't know it i think it is really easy to get and i think the thing that frustrates me i started talking about this video with my partner earlier mm. and he started he started rambling i love you to bits craig but he started <laughs> rambling about um how oh they don't have mental health problems in third world countries or whatever and i was like just shut up <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, well, that's good for them. Um, and he started asking me, do I have any evidence? For it? And I was like, you're missing the point. And I said, it doesn't really matter what's going on anywhere else or what happened 100 years ago. Right now here in this country, we have a bit of a crisis mm. amongst young people 
who, like you say, if you're a boy, you're more mm. likely to commit suicide. And if you're a girl, you're likely to be self-harming. Mm. And that's really scary. And it's quite scary how much of a blind eyes turn to it as well. Like the fact that you keep, like I keep seeing these figures being pumped out and for like a day, everyone's like, oh, it must change, it must change. And then it kind of goes away again. And you don't really hear about it until the next lot of statistics come out. And you're just like, is anything actually happening? And I think, yeah. I know there's a big argument about you know kind of perhaps middle-aged men in suits in parliament blaming everything on social media and whether that's true or not again doesn't really matter when you've got the statistics that show that something is happening Mm. and perhaps the cause of it isn't all that important we just need to start dealing with it yeah and I think it's it's interesting when you mentioned the schooling at the beginning because I I vaguely remember I'm sure Oh, it might have been about 10 years ago now. There was like a push to have more uh, kind of like social awareness or something within, I don't know if it's like PSHE or PSRE or mm. whatever the acronym is. And um, that was around like basically um, not being a bully. There was loads of stuff wrapped up, mm. but it's not being a bully and respecting people. Um mm. So there must have been something, which I'm forgetting, that was probably a big thing in our country. And that led to, actually, we need to teach more young people about respect. Um, we mm. need to teach more young people about being a good citizen or a good member of the community or whatever. Mm. Um, and I think, is this kind of part of that side of actually the respect culture, the um, knowledge of things like sexual health, mental health, let's just say health um are there things that because they are not currently part of the curriculum or they're not part of some testing thing um are seen as like not as important when actually these are the things that are gonna maybe Mm. they're not gonna get you a job but they are gonna help you live your life Um, so they kind of seem to be more important (laughs) Yeah. yeah <laughs> which completely. just makes me wonder yeah why why well yeah I, I don't know um there are probably reasons in in why that's not being taught at the moment but it just seems like an obvious thing that should already be part of education um it would be mm. interesting to know whether in other countries is there a completely different approach to um mental health because i spoke to someone oh i think it was for time to talk day and they were from i want to say they were from south africa i'm not 100 sure but i think they were and they said um that they i think they were brought up there and then moved over here like early teens and they said it's just so strange because everything is so much more open over there um like mental health is not a big thing um and I wonder whether it's like that in different countries or in different communities where actually it is treated like, essentially, it's just a normal thing, like a, a physical health um, mm. would be. Um, I don't know. I imagine in my head, I, I just can't imagine that. So I can only think of it as being small communities rather than mm. a whole country, because that's not what I know. Mm. I used to work with a a patient from Sudan and he was very very well while he was over there I mm. mean his, 
he'd gone through a lot of trauma, his country was kind of torn apart by conflict and he was actually okay when he was over there and he said it was when he came here and he kind of felt for the first time in his life like he was on his own mm. um, and that he didn't have that support around him. Of You know, he said like families weren't kind of really a thing. Everyone just kind of like raised everyone else's kids and they all lived kind of together. And, yeah. But he yeah. said over here, everyone's very isolated from one another and mm. kind of he'd, he always talked about how he'd been in a supermarket one day and a little boy was crying and he was by himself and he went to pick up the little boy and suddenly he was accused of kind of trying to kidnap it. <laughs> and it yeah. was just like, oh, yeah, we do that here, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, actually, we have perhaps lost sight of some of those things. And I think that is where the argument about social media can kind of come in. Because I used to commute to work every day and I didn't speak to anyone for the entire commute. I'd just sit there on my phone with my headphones in and mm. everyone around me sat there with their headphones in. And I think that it's going to be having some sort of effect mm. on us, I'm sure compared to societies that haven't got it yeah i don't i don't know because i would say uh i've seen a similar thing when i was in australia where it was very much like a community brought up children Mm. it wasn't like the parents and that was it okay Mm. like they were the main people but it was seen as a community like if you go to um an event and there are multiple families there it wasn't like Mm we've got you're looking out for your kids it was no like just generally everyone was keeping an eye on their children um mm. and it was a different a very different approach and a very different feeling to how something would be seen here as i think you'd be like oh I'll, I'll look out for my child or children but i can't like you say i can't pick up or touch somebody else's child um mm. and it, it does lead to that slightly more i guess insular way of living mm. and while social media plays into that it's not just social media and I don't know I don't know that social media is even the biggest part of that um I think it's probably just one of many things that kind of feed into it to be honest Mm. Mm. wow it's a lot of wondering and pondering and Mm. a couple of things I think probably both agree with but also quite a few things that we definitely don't agree with (laughs) um but I did I have to say, I did really like that the, um, I guess, like the role of someone that's talking about mental health was being discussed. Um, mm. Because I do think it's important, like we said, to recognise that person isn't a professional. Um, yeah. And not just in a negative way to say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, but actually just to protect them. Um, mm. And there will be cases when um, we potentially. Um, try to support someone or someone that's listening might be trying to support someone and they might go off and do something positive or negative Um, hopefully it's positive Um, Mm -hmm. and if it's positive it needs to be kind of recognized actually that person did it for themselves Um, you might have supported Mm. that but they chose to do that they put the effort in and the energy in to go and do whatever that positive thing was And equally, if they do choose to do something negative, um, that that isn't the responsibility of the person that has offered the conversation or the support. No. Um, and I think that's really important too, because I do think there are people that kind of the opposite side of this that don't engage in conversations because of that fear. Um, yeah. And I think that's important to recognise as well. Um, yeah. So I just want to put that one out there. Um, mm. But uh, I don't know if you've got any kind of last thoughts that you want to throw in. Um, I think just when I was watching it, the one thing that always stands out to me about 
advocacy and kind of mental health advocates online isn't so much what they were talking about in terms of you know clickbait or followers or whatever it is mm. or even the awareness raising for me it's that sometimes those people can better explain something that I've experienced than I can mm. <laughs> and I think there's certainly been times when I found be that YouTube videos or articles or even blogs and shown them to my partner to help him understand something that he's never experienced and I think that's something that needs to be spoken about a little bit more and I think it was really nice when the guy told the story about how he actually didn't understand anxiety mm. until he saw his girlfriend have a panic attack yeah and I was like actually fair play for holding your hands up and being like you know what I didn't get it but it's sad that she had to go through that experience for him to get it but actually those things really do help people that do and don't have mental illnesses mm. and I think it was a nice example as well because it wasn't like that happened and then he suddenly got it he was like oh yeah. no it is a thing like it wasn't yeah. oh I now understand it it was yeah. just oh okay no this is a real thing it does have a real impact yeah um and I think like you as well like the people that share their stories in a I don't know I don't know that I'd necessarily call them advocates but people that openly share their own experience I think there's mm. so much to be gained from that they're, they're giving people uh, okay awareness if they don't have it already although I, I, I am starting to think most people have some general awareness now mm. um, yeah. but they're giving them permission to have those conversations they're also informing us like the only way that I've learned the little bits that I've learned about OCD and eating disorders and some other illnesses is because people have shared their stories. Yeah. Um, it's something I haven't experienced. And even like you say, some of the things I have experienced, I've learned to understand them a little bit more yeah. um, from hearing other people talk about theirs. But I think it's uh, it's also interesting when you hear someone talk about their illness if it's the same as yours and hearing how different their experience is to yours is really eye-opening as well and it's Mm. another one of those like oh we say oh it's different for everyone but to actually hear it I think Mm. is something else and um really brings home so cool um you also mentioned briefly uh your time to talk activities how did it go yeah, it was good. It was a long day. Um, so, yeah, we were at Birmingham New Street handing out free coffees and teas to members of the public. Um, yeah, it was long, but I think a lot of it was positive. There were a few negatives, but that, again, kind of reminds you why you need to do those events. Mm. Like we had some people say that everyone with a mental illness should be locked up and they shouldn't have a job. And I think, like you said, it's it's very easy to get stuck in your little bubble of people that get it. Yeah, And so to be reminded that there are people out there that don't get it and that we still need to work with, mm. that's actually kind of a nice little reminder, as irritating as it was at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you almost need you that do... sort of kick in the leg. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, not everyone thinks like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you do anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Did you do anything from time to talk to um, I did. I... Um... I, like you, was very busy out and about. Um, so I I was at my local train station in the morning um, and did a six, I think I was there, six till nine in the morning. Then oh my God. went into a couple of the local colleges in the daytime um, and went over to a small theatre that's near me in the evening. Um, oh, wow. 
I I was I kind of I, well I set up there and I was there for about an hour and then someone came and took over for me. Um, <laughs> I'd had enough. By I think it was about half imagine. past. I think it was about half past five. It might have been six o'clock. I was like, nah, I'm, yeah. done, I'm done now. Um, yeah. But like you, it was really interesting. Um, I don't know that I necessarily had any um, real negatives this time, although I have heard those before. Um, I found it really interesting in terms of the number of people that weren't aware of the support that's available locally and online. Mm. Um, and it was more that side for me this time round. Um, mm. of people saying, oh, yeah, no, I've, I've experienced that, or I know someone that's experienced it. Oh, but I didn't know there was support like in the local town or the city. I didn't know that there was mm. that stuff available online. Um, oh, I'd never thought of signposting someone to Samaritans unless they were suicidal. Um, and it's oh. it's a lot of, of that side. Um, so, yeah, it was slightly different to previous ones, which I guess was good because actually there was yeah. already that awareness there. But um, yeah. like you say, there's, there's different what. avenues that come up. I love those people that come over and are like, my friend has this and I want to know how to support them. They were the mm. people that I really was like, yes, I want to hug you. Can I have oh. you as a friend? <laughs> <laughs> I had this, oh, there was this mum, she came over and she was like, my daughter's 12 and she's just told me she's really anxious and I don't know what to do. And I was just like, yes, you're a good mum. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's so nice, isn't it, when you hear people come over and it's like they've already started a conversation yeah because I think that's the hardest part yeah um and it's also the most important because I think yeah we can talk about signposting or resources or whatever but I think the most important thing is that you're there and that you listen um yeah and I've spoken to people before that have said um they didn't necessarily believe what their child was going through and like yeah okay but firstly you're having the conversation and that's the most important thing like yeah whether you believe or not is kind of your own thing. Yeah. Um, and there's a number of reasons why you might not believe them. Like they might not be telling you everything yet, but you've started the conversation and that's the most important thing. And I think um, it's so awesome that we are seeing and hearing more from those people. Yeah. I also said to um, the girls from Time to Change that with us as well, the thing I really, really loved that really got me was people had come and sit down and you'd say how are you and they wouldn't just say I'm fine they'd actually tell you and I was like yes finally with like you said we're getting permission to actually say yeah how we feel yeah (laughs) and And that was so good you had the I saw a couple of pictures online so they had like the sofas and stuff out so you had a a good spot for um the conversations yeah they were amazing I wanted to stay there <laughs> nicer than my own so yeah. <laughs> oh man I hate it when I go places and the shower's nicer than I've got at home yeah I'll just stay here please oh dear well I've really yeah. enjoyed sitting down and having a chat and um kind of talking through oh. I think that's an awesome conversation to be having like the the role and what's yeah. going on for for people that talk about mental health but also for me just actually to hear a little bit about what you did for time to talk as well yeah. Um, if people want to find out a little bit more about you, Lorna, where can they go? Uh, so I am on Twitter as, I always get this wrong, at BeyondBPD18. Always get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've given that out wrong so many times. <laughs> uh, so whoever at BeyondBPD is, is getting a lot of followers from me. <laughs> <laughs> Not 18. And I'm on Instagram as living underscore 
beyond underscore the underscore borderline, which is really nice. I, I can't say that's a lot of underscores because, yeah, I use a lot of underscores as well, but that does seem like quite Great. a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. No, it's awesome to come on. Thank you so much for, for dropping in Thank and giving you. your views as well. Always fun. Hey, so we'll talk very soon. Um, yeah. thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. Thank you. Take care. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, okay, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.